where two guys who wear comfortable shoes meet to speak. Armageddon must be near. Time once again for No Agenda. From the Manor in southwest London, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm up here in rainy Northern California as our weather turns weird. I'm John C. Dvorak. Yeah, you've been bitching about it all week. You know, wind and rain, and we've had nothing but beautiful weather over here, more or less. There was a low pressure that kind of apparently floated through and we got somewhere near Denver and turned around and came back and dumped a bunch of snow on California. It <laughs> snowed last night. In uh, It's almost June. I know. It's crazy. In, the, in Tahoe, I guess, down in the, uh, the grapevine down in L.A. Uh, it's been good here. Today actually isn't so nice. The first day that isn't fantastic. There's a lot of wind, gusty wind, which is some kind of pressure system coming in. But otherwise, it's been a beautiful week. So you've been working on uh, upgrading your, your cell phone, mobile phone. What's that? Um, no, you know, I have this um, Vodafone. It's a dongle that you can plug into your Mac, and I bought it. Um, when we moved into this house before I had uh, Internet access, and it does about um, 700 kilobits where I live right now, but it, you know, anywhere uh, like half a mile further up the road, it can actually do it's HDSPA or whatever that is, so it can do like uh, 1.5 megabits. And it's from Vodafone, and you have some kind of so-called unlimited fair use uh, um, limit that you have. It's wireless, right? It's wireless. wireless. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's three G basically, and so you have some kind of limit for the UK, which I was just reading online. Of course, this is from a year ago. That uh, fair use limit was one gigabyte per month, which of course is nothing. And That's like one day. Yeah, really. Well, I've looked at it. It is just about one day for someone who surfs, you know, and has lots of media files. It's yeah, 30 is more like it. But I really only need to use it for certain occasions. And so now they have a new uh, a, a new version which is now just kind of like a memory stick. It's not it's no longer a dongle. And it's USB. You plug it in and that gives you in the right areas 7.5 megabits down. I'm not quite sure what the upstream is. I'll have to look at it again. Uh, but it's cheaper. They give you, um, I think you can get up to like 20 gigabytes per month if you're roaming in another country, which is where you really got screwed before. I mean, I'm talking like four pounds per megabyte transferred in, uh, in a wow. foreign country. Oh, yeah. I mean, you check your email and you're like, oh, that was 50 bucks. Um, uh, so now that's that's become like uh, 495 for a 24-hour period up to 200 megs. You know, it's, it's, so it's better, but it's still highway robbery. But they didn't give me any, any notification that I could, you know, so you, I pay 45 pounds a month now, it would cost like, they could actually get me to pay them more, 60 per month to get this new, uh, this new bundle. But they didn't offer it to me. And I'm looking at the commercials, I'm like, yeah, wait a minute, I've got an old plan here. So, uh, so I'm trying to figure that out. We'll see how helpful uh, Vodafone is. My wife and uh, sister use, uh, we just about to talk about that before we started the show. Uh, they use Jaja. Are you familiar with Jaja? Never heard of it. Uh, Juliet Alpha, Juliet Alpha Hotel dot com, and um, so you, you get, they give you a little address book. You know, you you prepay. I think you know it's like automatically they deduct twenty five bucks from my PayPal or something. And um, and if you make a phone call, you enter the phone number, and you hit call, and then it will call uh, a designated. Uh, phone that you specify so it can call your mobile phone your home phone or your office phone and then it'll say one moment no actually it says one moment jaja is connecting you and then you hear the phone ring and then your caller id shows up at that other uh, on the other end and they answer and it's a very very cheap phone call like a penny a minute or something or a tenth i mean a tenth of a penny a minute 
And if you uh, if both phone numbers that are calling each other are registered with Jaja, then it's absolutely free. So they both have uh, have an account and they talk for hours for free. Which with British Telecom, the amount of money they talk it could easily be eight eight or nine hundred pounds a month if they were just to get a you know like a basic uh, rate plan. Well, that sounds like a winner. Yeah, it's good, and the quality is good because you know basically they just connect different networks, so they'll look at whatever you know whatever's available in London, whatever deal they have, what I guess whatever interconnect exchange, etc. Sometimes I think it must be VoIP because um, one out of every twenty calls is has a little bit of an echo or uh, not an echo has a little bit of a delay, mm-hmm. uh, but everything else it's almost like a pure you know regular regular phone call. I, um, they bought Django, or they didn't buy Django. They bought uh, the remnants, the team, or whatever. You know, Django, right? Yeah, yeah. So they went out of business, or something like Do that. Do they have that service in the U.S.? Uh, Jaja? Jaja. Yeah, it, it's a it's a U.S. Uh, company. I think it's uh, J-A-J-A? No, J-A-J-A-H dot com. J-A-J-A-H? Yeah, I think um, Sequoia's an investor. Huh. Yeah, it's cool. Well, you know, because I use disposable phones. I use a track phone, as a matter of fact. For your mobile and, phone, uh, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't uh, that Jaja for mobile phones? Is that what it's for? It's for any phone. Uh, you, you know, but you have to initiate the call um, on the web. So you can do oh. that in a mobile browser. You can do, do a bookmark. Well, how's that better than Skype? Um, well, you know. The, first of all, I think the quality is better. The quality is better than Skype. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Skype. It's a real phone call. You can hear that the you know you you're connected through wires, not through IP. It's not. Uh, yeah, it makes a difference, huh? Look, I. What are you going to say? The customer's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell her, honey, you're wrong. Go back to using Skype. She hated it. She's like, oh, yeah, because I tried to, I tried to get her on Skype first. She's like, oh, the headset sucks, and I can't walk too far. You know, then I got to, you know, I tried the Skype phone. Yeah, but, yeah, but the Skype to phone thing, I call you all the time on Skype to phone, and it works great. Mm, but it's not as cheap as you think. Jaja is oh. much, much cheaper. Maybe a, a tenth of the price. Now Skype is not all that cheap. So you think it's a SIP thing? S I P? No, 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 no. It's uh, they have they have. Uh, they have termination at the exchanges or whatever, you know. That's a big yeah. business. I don't know a lot about it, but it's a huge, huge business. And so they just yeah. buy, you know, they just buy up millions of minutes and, uh, and, and with at preferred exchanges. And some of these exchanges are interconnected with backhaul. You know, that's basically their business is just, you know, making the connections as cheap as possible. But it's, I, I think most of it is, uh, is POTS. Interesting. Okay, well, I'll check it out. Yeah, marginally interesting. Well, I mean, you know, I never, I, I, I probably have seen, if I saw the logo, I'd probably say, oh, yeah, those guys or something. <laughs> but it's like, I, you can't try everything. They've been around for a while. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, yeah, for my wife, it works perfectly. I never use it. I, I always, you know, I'm just a sucker. I use AT&T on my cell phone all the time. Jeez. Yeah, well. What do you well, gonna- you know, one of the things we've done at the uh, Dvorak Ranch mm-hmm. is that we've all gone to uh, using, uh, besides the, well, nobody else but me uses the prepaid burners, you know, the cell phones, disposables. But for regular long distance, we've all gone to calling cards. Well, here, here's the problem. Here's my, here's my specific problem. Because I, 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 I live and work in t- 
two separate countries. So obviously it would be much cheaper to use a U. And of course I have a UK number over here and lots of people actually have the UK number. But here's what happens when someone needs to get a hold of me, because that's, let's face it, the only reason you're going to call me on my cell phone is because you actually need to speak to me and I, and I want to talk to you because no one else calls me. You know, I don't get like business uh, pitches or anything. It's, you know, it's, it's real uh, are, you, are you soliciting the public to just call you at random? <laughs> no, please do not. Um, so you know you can do you can get these centralized numbers like Grand Central or whatever it is that Google bought, and I looked into that. And so you can route your phone calls around no problems. So that you get the most. So you give people one number, and then if you don't answer this phone, it'll it'll tra automatically transfer to the other phone. That's fantastic. I How find Grand Central to be highly annoying. I'm just talking about the basic concept, that I can have one number and it'll yeah, ring yeah, me yeah, on no, whatever I'm phone sorry, is essential. Okay. The problem is text messaging. Because, you know, text, what are the people going to, there's no routing facility for text messaging. There, there just what? is none. There's a, there's a business. Let's start one. It's a huge business. You have um, individual um, pieces of software that can do it. You know, that there is a way to actually... If you, um, if you, for instance, I would take my U.S. mobile, I'd uh, connect it through Bluetooth to my Mac. I've looked into all of this. And if a text message comes in, then the Mac will actually reroute it and send it out to the other phone. But it's a pain in the ass. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not handy. And let's face it, the text messaging, I probably use the phone for that more than for voice calls. I noticed that in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> highly appreciated comment. So, uh, so okay. Well, unless you're not sitting there doing your email like most people. <laughs> no. Wait until the new iPhone comes out. Then meetings will be much more fun. <laughs> you know, Which, it reminds me of going to these. You give speeches. This tendency, by the way, is extremely, uh, I think, negative. Which is you go give a big speech. It depends on the group. Of course, if you have a, you know, a mature group that, you know, is not necessarily uh, so plugged into the computer, it's ridiculous. But you go to a, like, if you was any kind of a web 2.0 crowd and you gave a speech to them, nobody's looking at but the stage. So no, you can't even, do, even like, worse, they're Twittering each other and they sit in little chat rooms and make fun about the speaker. Yeah. And and so you can't get any good laughs from from any sight gags, you right. know. If you were a prop comic, forget about it. Yeah. And so uh, everyone's all hunched over their laptops and they're typing away as you're trying to talk. And it's not even that they're taking notes; they're just talking to everybody else in the place. You know what this is, John? All of this shit started when when uh, when schools let the kids call the teachers by their first name. That's when all this crap started. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good old cranky comment. Well, you might as well take it back one step further where the, where the, where the kids were encouraged to call their parents by their first Whoa, name. Oh, boy. We lost a lot of ground there, didn't we? <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> and it's still creepy, by the way. If you go to somebody's house and it you is. got some kid, it you know, is. some eight-year-old calling her <laughs> Father Frank. It's like, I know. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Um, do your kids call you Dad? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed that. And it, it is really creepy when you hear that. You're like, Ugh. you know, and the first thing that goes to your mind is, um, are you stepfather? <laughs> yeah, well, that's one. And, you know, we're calling the mother, you know, uh, Margaret. Margaret, can I get something to eat? I'm hungry. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, it's just like, whoa. In, um, in Dutch. And the, well, what are the parents, by the way, what are the parents thinking by encouraging this? Do they think it's cool? Is this some sort of a liberal thing that you would, you want to, you want your, your children on a, on, a, on this, this unusual first name basis? Do you think that's still happening? Because it was kind of a big thing in like the 70s, I think, when a lot of that happened. 
I don't think. I don't, I don't think it was ever happening a lot, but I think it does. It does happen. still happen. Yeah. Well, in um, in different languages such as Dutch, German, French, you have uh, a formal way of saying you. In English, it's just you and hey you, right? Uh, but in uh, in French, it would be uh, tu, or uh, you could say formally it would be vous. And in Dutch, it's either yay or, or u, and German also has its variant. And Patricia still calls um, or still addresses her parents in the formal way, mm. which is, uh, of course, she's from 1918, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to go over well. Yeah. So... Um... It's an easy, easy joke. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is about that you, two versus vu is that if you start talking conversational, when I was a kid, we were taught that even with conversational French, you never use the two unless you really knew really somebody. Really knew the person, you know, yeah. Shacked up with them, basically. <laughs> yeah. If you've had some kind of intimate contact. <laughs> and the uh, but nowadays this always it just seems to be encouraged. Have you noticed this? Yeah, I, I was talking to someone else about that the other day, and I think it is because um, of English culture seeping through the entire world. Where in English, you know, you've got drama, you've got movies, you've got you know all kinds of media, and it's just you. All of all of it is you, 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 you. And I think it's just so much easier, and it's just it seems to be ebbing away. What the vu? Yeah. Yeah, the formal uh, the, the formal way of addressing people. I, um, yeah, it makes you, I guess you sound like an old fart, you know, if you if you still use it. Well, he, so here's, Unfortunately, I you know, I don't speak enough French that I can uh, make that transition that easy. So I've been doing this thing in the mornings for uh, for Dutch radio for this uh, Arrow is the name of the radio station. And so on this show, I get to talk to ministers of parliament, which is pretty cool. And I get to talk about, you know, like the fucked up traffic. So I'm enjoying these conversations. But most of these these men, and uh, many of them are women actually in the Netherlands, uh, are younger than I am. They're like, you know, mid-30s. And so the first thing I say when I get them on the phone or if, you know, if I meet them face-to-face is, you know, can we just, uh, it's called tutoyeren, can we just... Uh, uh, use the informal uh, 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 way of addressing each other. And they all say yes, of course. But Yeah, that's the same as saying, can I call you Bill? Uh, not quite the same. That's one more step. Oh. That's after I kiss the ministers. That That's when I get to call him Bill. Okay. <laughs> so it's not, not exactly the same. Not exactly the same. Because that, that, that middle element that you're describing does not exist in English. In no, it English. doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's either we either go from, you know, Mr. President or can I call you Bill? Yeah. And there's nothing in between. Yeah. And no, you may not call me Bill. <laughs> Stop calling me Shirley. So um, there's a, there is one thing I wanted to bring up. I'm sure you, you've oh, heard wait a about minute. it. Go back to the story. So you ask him about this and then what do they say? Oh, they, they uh, sometimes they they don't know what to say depending on what I ask them. Huh. Uh, it's, it's, it, there's a whole bunch of Holland has a whole bunch of interesting interesting issues. The main one being uh, the multicultural society integration of Muslim immigrants, and then uh, the other one is basically traffic. Uh, if I boil it down, those are the only two things that people talk about all the time, and no one ever does anything about it. They don't talk about the weather like they do in the UK con- constantly. Yeah, no, it just sucks. They all know it. Uh, you, you live in Holland, man. You're three. You're like six feet below the sea level you're going to get fogged in a lot you get used to it hmm. so no and they talk about other things football oh yeah well everybody's yeah. got to talk about football football 
Well, we had a big ass match here. Well, actually, not here, but in Moscow, the uh, Champions the Manchester League. United uh, Chelsea thing. Yeah, it was a great, great match. They they, they must have aired it in that the wasn't states a somewhere. Great match. It was the same boring old game, and they had to have a shoot off at the end. It was a great match. What are you talking about? In that, it, after they played, you know, the 40, the ninety minutes, they had an extension of thirty minutes. Any any goal would have would have won the match for that team. And it was it's, the English boys against each other. Are you kidding me? It was a great freaking match. Unfortunately. You know, penalty kicks is uh, is basically a lottery. You know, anyone can win that. But it was a great game. Did you watch nothing it? Like a, the, the <laughs> you didn't watch it. Come on, don't nothing give me that like shit. Nothing like a nil-nil tie. It wasn't a nil-nil tie. It was 1-1. One, one. And <laughs> let me, no, let me give you some more. So the guy on Chelsea's side, um, what's his name? Uh, Frank uh, Lumpart. Who uh, who scored the the one Chelsea goal is like this was a real emotional moment. His mom died like two weeks before this uh, of pneumonia, and no one knew if he was gonna if he was gonna come to the team. And he scored, and they had that beautiful. Sh- it was high drama, John. They had that beautiful shot of him looking up at the heaven and saying, "This one's for you, mom." I mean, it was beautiful. It was great television. It was a great game. You know, the, the the crowds didn't kill each other. It was in Moscow, which was interesting. Well, that's one of the reasons the crowds didn't kill each other. Normally, they would have. <laughs> no, I, I, I disagree. I think uh, you know, th- it was a good match, and everyone was you know everyone was tired after uh, you know after uh, the the thirty minute um, extension of the game, and the the teams were just strong. No, I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah, no, I'm glad that a lot of people liked watching that game, you know, and they talked about it. We, I think we even blogged it because I have a, a one of my Ed Campbell is a huge soccer fan, uh, soccer fan, mm-hmm. which you know makes me wonder about him. But except for that one uh, <laughs> Piccadillo, <laughs> but he does most of the work. But I'll tell you, at four o'clock in the afternoon, you could you could hear a pin drop in the in the middle of the high street of Guilford. You know, everyone had already gone home. Everyone was home early. You know, the game didn't start until like, you know, quarter to eight. And everyone was, you know, there, no one was on the street. It was completely Quarter empty. to eight in the morning? In or the what? evening, in the evening. It started quarter to eight in the evening? Yeah. And then then one time was the game was over at 1030 and it was quiet? Uh, you're talking about, wait, you're talking about Guilford at night? <laughs> so it was like, it's a jump in place normally? Is that what you're saying? Dude, you you should come down to Guilford at night and see what's going on. Oh, yeah. The Voodoo Lounge, the new place, Dusk. Are you crazy? Guilford is uh, is quite, the, is quite the, uh, the place to go clubbing and drinking. Within limits. There's huh. no London. But yeah, for this, uh, for Surrey, absolutely. Huh. Yeah. A lot of messed up kids on Fridays and Saturdays and Sunday nights. Yeah. My recommendation for that is Iceland, but it's not a story. <laughs> Which uh, is, uh, well, it was recently named something, Iceland. It was named the... Uh, best place in the world to live or something like that. Not best to live. I think it was you know, most at least stressful or something like that. Well, it's because everything's free. <laughs> and there's the no one there. There's free. no people there. <laughs> no one lives a quarter in... of a million people. It's the size of a good... It's the size of Guilford. Of a... <laughs> it's the size of a Guilford, yes. It's the size of Guilford. <laughs> <laughs> it looks beautiful. Vanessa from the UK office is, uh, is there this weekend. She yeah. and her, she and her uh, boyfriend what? were going to Iceland. I'm like, why? She says, I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> there's okay. nothing much to do. Two days, you're done. Uh, yeah. But yeah. you eat a lot of puffin. Oh, that's right. We talked about that, didn't we? Puffin. Yeah, puffin. And puffin then the ice. thing I always tell people, go to the, to the wool shop at the airport. And that's where you buy your sweaters and blankets and stuff. Because it'd be cold there. Well, no, they got this great, you know, they got these weird sheep in Iceland. 
that look like they're from they look prehistoric. They're creepy looking. Really? And they you know they got big Rastafarian curls hanging down. They look like they, they look like something. They look like they washed in. They look, always look wet. Oh, wow. And the wool is is waterproof, and it's a very and it's in, comes in three colors naturally. There's a black sheep, a white sheep, and a brown sheep, and so they can make colorful sweaters without even dyeing them. Well, it's hardly colorful, but you know, brown. But uh, but that shop at the airport, at least when I was there, was the best shop in, in the in the yeah, whole. They're country. really uh, they're like long haired sheep. With uh, I'm looking at uh, some Google images now. They don't yeah. look that crazy. They, uh, they look kind of creepy when you see them. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just maybe I'm scared of sheep. Do they taste Whatever good? They, they didn't. They didn't. I didn't have any sheep. All they eat is puffin. It seems to me. Mm-hmm. You know, all these countries that we talked about before have these just one or two things. The one where I was talking to my wife the other day about some countries that eat yak. Yeah. And I and I realized that of all the meats I've had, I've never had yak. Where does uh, yak typically grow? Well, it's in parts of India. There's one of the Indian cuisines. We're doing a book on spices because, you know, we have this. Yeah, you, you, you got so the, the spice shop, right? Yeah. And so I said, we got to break down the, uh, we, she's doing all the writing. I said, <laughs> we got to break down the uh, the cuisines of India because a lot of people don't realize when they go to, especially Americans, to a lesser extent, the English, but Americans in particular, don't realize that there is no Indian, you know, when you go to an Indian restaurant, you're getting a eclectic mishmash of who knows what mm. that has no connection to it. You know, these dishes have no connection because they're from the various cuisines. And it turns out that there's about, depending on how you break it down, either four major cuisines or something like 18 in India. And they're all very different. They use different spices. They eat different meat if they eat meat. And it's, it's radically different in every way. So, so this is interesting. So I, did a, I went to Wikipedia, of course, the authority. No mention of India. The yak uh, is from, the, uh, to, from Tibet, Mongolia, Central Asia, Himalayan region. No mention of India whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's the northeastern cuisine that my wife isolated as eating yak. Hmm. Although I'm sure an Indian listening, that's not true. You know, <laughs> we eat a lot of yak here. Damn it! <laughs> but uh, they may or they don't eat yak. But the, the, the research is so far. But we're going to run the uh, this by some some natives, of course. Before yeah. unlike the some they, look, they look pretty uh, prehistoric. These yak. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what they taste like. Prehistoric, <laughs> like some really old meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can milk them too. There you go. Tea is made with yak milk. Awesome. I wonder what that tastes like. Yeah, they probably like a goat. They probably have a distinctive taste. Yeah. Um, although it just could taste like beef. It could be just you know progenitor. Who knows what kind of? Aren't they close to the to the bison family? They look like them. A little more like bison. Bisons, you know, or uh, you know, you could pass off a bison meat for for cattle if you you know if you did it right. Hey, something new. Bison has a distinctive flavor, but if you if you did it right, you could convince somebody it was a, just a deep piece of beef. Hey, I just saw something new. The uh, Google Image Labeler. Oh, really? What's that? Welcome. Uh, it just showed up on the, on the search. Welcome to Google Image Labeler, a feature of Google Search that allows you to label images and help improve the quality of Google's image search results. Cool. How does it work? You'll be randomly paired with a partner who's online and using the feature. Over a two-minute period, you and your partner will view the same set of images. 
Provide as many labels as possible to describe each image you see. Receive points when your label matches your partner's label. Cool, it's like a game. The number of points will depend on how specific your label is, and you'll see more images until times run out. What is this, like a game? Well, look, I'm looking at the today's top pairs. Zippy and Yonatan have got 2,500 or 2,650 points. But, yeah. but the all-time contributors, which includes Zippy as number two, yeah, is Speed Go. Go Speed Go at <laughs> What is this number here? It's one. It's twenty-four million two hundred sixty-six one hundred points. What is this guy doing? He's just hanging on. This is unbelievable. So people are doing free work for Google. Yeah. Oh, do it, John. Do start labeling. Oh man, that's cool. So I've been matched up with someone. We have already. Some, yeah, we don't have the uh, partner suggested too. So I got like a Chinese girl. I put girl. Hold on. I want to. I want to label. Oh, matched on girl, fifty points. Bing, bing, bing. Okay, now I see, like royalty. I don't. This it's crazy. They've turned working for Google into a game. How crazy is that? <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. Those guys They're are smart. geniuses. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> this looks more Indian. I don't know what that is. Hmm. This is you know what this is, you know where they got this idea? Battleships. No, they got the idea from those guys doing the porn, doing the captions. Oh, hot or not? Like that? You know, where you, you, you join up and they say, here, tell us what this captcha is. And you, you're basically working f and you get they'll, they'll show you porn. And then the, the captcha is actually used by spammers to crack all these, you know, captchas that keep cropping oh, up. On right. Oh, that's sort. right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, that's crazy. Well, I'm not going to help them anymore. Go away. <laughs> help them anymore. I'm, I'm done helping you, Google. <laughs> So, uh, but I want to know who my partner is. How come I don't get to meet this person? That's kind of cool. What a great way to meet someone. It could be lies. Yeah. Maybe there is no partner. They're just yeah. trying to make it seem more social than it is for these poor lonely guys out there that would sit around <laughs> doing this to the point where they'd have 24 million points. <laughs> guys think? like go, go Speed Go. <laughs> yeah. It's just the whole thing's a scam because my partner here wants to pass. Yeah, I just passed. Maybe I was your partner. I don't think so. No, I just went away. All right. So, well, maybe I, maybe it's possible. Maybe you are. I think you should be able to choose your partner. Did you get the Cypress? No. Okay. Um. So anyway, uh, Financial Times two days ago. Yeah. Hey, by the way, my partner's obviously a dud. <laughs> your partner can't come up, can't come up with anything good. No good labels. Uh, quitting. Quitting. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Financial Times. Mm. I'm sure you heard about this, about uh, Moody's, the ratings agency. This is the funniest thing in the world, John. Okay. So, of course, the premise here is that Moody's rates uh, funds and bonds uh, and gives them a status. You, uh, all of our listeners, I'm sure, at one point have heard the triple A status. And right. so they rated all these uh, CDOs, which were these, um, these uh, in, uh, um, investment vehicles or debt vehicles that were backed by these bogus mortgages, by these subprime mortgages. And they basically rated, we talked about this, they rated them AAA status, right? Yes, it was a scandal. Okay. They have come out now, a year after their investigation, and uh, they know uh, how it happened, uh, that, the, that they gave out a, a AAA rating to... Uh, to these bogus uh, investment vehicles. And guess what it was, John? Um, interns? A software coding error. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> Don't you just love it? 
Do you think? I don't, can they actually get? Can they actually get away with that bullshit? <laughs> Software code. What coding error was it? Oh, uh, oh, an unfortunate one. Apparently, an unfortunate one. <laughs> and they knew about the, the so-called software coding error for a year before this news came out. A year. What kind of a software coding error is there here possible? Well, it would, they were supposed to receive four notches lower, which would mean that they should have been a triple B instead of a triple A. Which, of course, would make sense, because they were probably closer to a C minus, or maybe a double D. <laughs> Well, but, uh, double is another problem, yeah. but that's uh, neither here yeah. nor there. But, um, Especially it's not here. Mm -hmm. I got some downstairs. But uh, can you believe that front page? And, and you know, and it's like, and, and you don't hear about it anywhere. No one's talking about it. This is one of the actual reasons of this shit happening. Is this fucking rating a ratings agency? And they're gonna, now they're going to investigate standards and pores, I guess, or whatever. I wonder yeah, what they, definitely what, they have to. They'll probably be, you know, they'll have the same what the same database issue. We had issue the same or... guy. We hired that same coder, <laughs> and he came over here and screwed us too. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Coding error. Yeah, it's coming apart, man. All of the shit that I would that we've been talking about is happening in the UK now. They remember they made, they made that one hundred billion uh, dollar commitment to all the banks that the government would uh, would swap the bonds for their bad debt. That has now been inflated to two hundred billion. It went, it doubled overnight. Wow, that's a lot of money. That's a humongous amount of money. That's two hundred billion pounds, right? No, no, I'm doing the I'm doing the conversion. No, so total okay. is like ninety billion pounds. So it's almost it's two hundred million essentially. And Gordon All Brown right. is about to get kicked out. Well, I guess they can't really kick him out. He's, you know, people are calling for his resignation. Uh, you know, very important uh, municipality. Now, what is it? Uh, area crew is it? You know, uh, um, they had a local election and uh, the conservatives landslide win, and you know, everyone's like Brown has to go. They're already talking about his successor. It's bad news. Well, you know, that country screwed up. Yeah, luckily America's all on the straight and narrow. Well, we have more space. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to follow the news about uh, the Hillary Obama stuff over here. Yeah, you, uh, if people that don't know this, essentially uh, Hillary's called for the assassination of Obama. <laughs> That's not exactly <laughs> what she did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way it was played by the media, you know, and I, I'll explain it yeah, please to do. people please who, do. who haven't uh, heard. What happened when she was in a meeting uh, with some some journalists, uh, editorial board, it was some small little paper in a really small little town, but they had it, they were filming it, or somebody was, and they got the audio and the video of her saying the following after she was asked, why don't, why don't you quit and give up because you're not going to win? And she says, There's, I, but I haven't been mathematically eliminated. And she goes on and she says, look, my husband was uh, didn't win his nomination until June 22nd. So why should I quit? And besides, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in June, and so so I don't see why I should quit. She it's just like she has gone well, on to to repeat this several other times without using the assassination word, right? Yeah. And so it was like so that was picked up immediately by the media. Now the thing that I was thinking, and of course, you know, she says, "Oh, she's so sorry," and she didn't mean anything by it, and and she was she was sincerely apologetic. I don't think she and actually she did mean anything by it. I, I think it's just dumb, you know. 
Well, no, but here's what I'm thinking, even taking it beyond dumb. She had to be thinking about it. She had to have in her mind to, to make this assertion or to even bring it up. It had to be in the back of her mind thinking, you know, Obama could get killed. I mean, he, <laughs> no. could, get hit by, he could get hit by a bus. I, I mean, there's a million things that can not, happen. I don't, I don't think she was thinking that way. She was thinking about it or she wouldn't have said it. That's the way I'm looking at it. But isn't that always the case? I mean, I've said myself, you know, Ron Paul is still only one heartbeat away from the nomination. I think it's more than one. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. He's like about 40 heartbeats away. No, there's no me. one else left. He's the only guy left if McCain ke ke you know, keels oh, over. Oh, yeah, McCain. Well, no, they, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's probably, he's only that's one true. heartbeat away. Actually, it probably applies more to McCain, you know, <laughs> just having, you know, dying yeah. of old age. Yeah, exactly. No, but anyway, so that's the story. And so now it's become a big scandal, and it, it's put her in a situation where she's now completely screwed herself. She can't. She won't get the vice presidency. She's going to have trouble running in 2012. Uh, I mean, these little things, you know, it's like uh, that that Dean, uh, Howard Dean guy, you know, screaming, you know, yeah, kind right, of thing. It's just, right. It just sticks to you. And so this you, is so the you, worst thing. She so now are you going to revise your uh, your prediction? What the Hillary's going to, you know, no, I'm going to stick with the possibility that there could be some something weird. I think this didn't help. In fact, I think if I'm going to if I was going to take bets right now, who is going to be the Democratic nominee? I would not take any bets uh, or I'd probably take Obama. Because well, it, well, it kind of depends on how they spin this. Right. And I think there's two things that have to happen because I'm really enjoying following your analysis and and tr truly believing that the Clintons will exert so much power over superdelegates and whatever needs to happen in Florida and all this stuff and then, you know, the... Uh uh, the appeasement stuff against Obama. So, you know, clearly she slipped up. She's doing all the Republicans' work for them. Um, so it could it could kind of blow over, you know, something new could crop up could crop up i mean we've already forgotten reverend Wright with this thing right so something yeah, there's still true. a lot it, of time it, it did up the ante and anything can happen i mean obama though has been so uh i mean he doesn't say anything if you listen to him he just and the way we should be looking at this you know just a very slow kind of a monotone is i mean he sounds yeah. like he's eloquent but he's getting to be boring you know it's like can this guy say anything at all, he says nothing, and it's and he's oh and he's and he's pompous, and I think it's going to start wear wearing thin after a while. I don't think he's going to. By the time the November election goes around, there should be two or three comedians, you know, copying his cadence, which is just horrendous. Has Saturday Night Live not done anything on him yet? I don't know. You know, I stopped watching. So I'm going to have to. I'm sure they're doing everything on a weekly basis. Maybe I'll have to watch it. I haven't watched a Saturday Night Live for me neither. Three or four months. Yeah, I haven't watched it in maybe a year or so. And I haven't seen. You know, there's got to be some comics that are nailing this guy because he's uh, and he never says anything. He just, you know, talks about change. He doesn't have anything. To, he doesn't have anything of any. There's nothing he's specific. It's just this Who's financing rambling, Who's financing you know, him, John? Buying the sky crap. Who's financing him? It's not, it's not just all little people making donations on the web. Who's financing, you know, this, the Obama campaign? Wall Street? I don't know. Uh, it's got to be know. Wall Street. I have to look into it. It's got to be Wall Street. There hasn't been much on it because the media has jumped on, you know, and all yeah. the right-wing talk show guys are talking about this. And they're, you know, the, and, and actually a lot of the Democrats are talking about it, which is the media has just... Out and out, subscribe to Obama, and they are just. I guess they. I think there must be some hatred of the Clintons because the Clintons were really never media friendly, and so they're just 
on Obama's side. In fact, there was a uh, one of the weirdest shows on television is on CNBC or MSN. I think it's CNBC. It's it's called uh, Interviews or Conversations with Michael Eisner. Mm. Yeah, I've seen and, I've seen a couple of these. He's not a great interviewer, but it's compelling no, no, to watch just because it's him. terrible at yeah. it, as a matter of fact, because yeah. you know, he's trying to be everybody's friend, and he's kind of creepy as an interviewer. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Those, uh, he has that like Steve Ballmer kind of uh, facial expression. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's and it gets you know it's like he's doing job interviews or something, or or, or, it's, or, it's, yeah. or it's shitty. It's really crappy dinner conversation with your boss <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, right. So he had, but he did have one of his old buddies on uh, the other day, and I just I, first time I've seen the show for a while because it's on some weird hour and it's hard to catch, and I'm not going to record it because uh, I hate to come back from a vacation going, oh, I'm filled up with this, you know. So um, he had uh, Jan Winner. Rolling oh, Stone, Rolling Stone editor, the original founder, right? And he was just out and out says, you know, yeah, no, we're just backing Obama. <laughs> the whole publication is just, it's just Obama. We put Obama on the cover, and yeah. we did this and we did that, and, you know, we offered something to Hillary early on, but she said no, and but so we're just behind Obama. And uh, I'm thinking, what is this magazine? They're behind Obama. And I think the media in general is behind Obama, and that's what's given him this big boost. It's very typical, though, isn't it? I mean that the the media everywhere is is basically claiming him the winner, and you know with this latest uh, Clinton uh, gaff, gaff. gaff that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, so I'm just looking at OpenSecrets.org actually uh, does a pretty good job at uh, tracking all donations. And so I'm looking at everything over twenty three hundred dollars, and uh, I don't see any uh, don't really see any Wall Street companies in there yet. Well, they're coming in the general. That's when they give money to both sides. Mm, hedge. Interesting. Well, maybe it is from maybe you know maybe. Uh, well, clearly Grassroots not the whole country be. is behind him. You know, only a part of it. Just looking at the uh, at the primaries. Well, no, the problem is, is that he hasn't won any of the big monster states, with the exception of Illinois, which is his state. Right. And I'm beginning to, I'm getting reminded of. Um, my dad was a big Republican, or I'm sorry, a big Democrat. Mm -hmm. uh, he's never a Republican. He hated the Republicans. and um, But he always was lamenting, I remember for years after the elections were over, he was always lamenting the fact that the Democrats ran Adlai Stevenson, uh, who was a... Um, he was described by my father and apparently most of the people in the Democrat Party as an egghead. And uh, they, they ran him twice in a row. Uh, and he was and he was like uh, Obama in so far as that he's an in kind of intellectualized a lot of things and had a really uh, outstanding uh, speaking. You know, he was an eloquent person, uh, but but it was also the same kind of thing. It was a kind of slow and ponderous, and it gets on your nerves after a while. And in fact, John Kerry is in the same camp. So the Democrats keep throwing up these these you know these throwbacks. To to the era of uh, you know the people that could do speeches. There was a term for these uh, the guys who do these eloquent speeches in front of a large crowd. Um, they keep bringing these guys in instead of some plain talking person. Well, show business. I mean, right? Bush is at the complete opposite spectrum. That's yeah. and so everyone makes that comparison. But the fact of the matter is, there is a middle ground uh, today. Isn't aren't aren't the rules that you can only donate a maximum of twenty three hundred dollars to uh, to a presidential campaign or a, or a um, 
these elections? There is a maximum number. It's like 2,500 or, or, okay, or even less or 250 or something. I'm, I'm looking here. It's like Susan Adelman, who is the president and CEO of Tivoli Inc., which is a software company, I think. Uh, so she's donated three times $2,300. Hmm. Isn't that illegal? I don't know. And I Maybe see she's here, not- David Adelson, who's from the University of Oklahoma, has donated... One, two, three, five times, $2,300. I see people donating 3200 4600 I thought there were limits on this stuff. There is some sort of limit. We're gonna have to, now we're going to have to do our research on the next show, yeah. um, which is annoying. Because I gave Although, Ron Paul what I thought was the max, was 2300 bucks. I thought that's all you could do. Well, you, I think maybe they, these have to do with events when you buy a seat at a table or something like that, perhaps. Mm. There might be some way of getting around it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so that's not exactly, you know, tons of donations from, you know, small people. This is like rather significant donations from uh, multiple times from people who can afford it. Hmm. Yeah, well, they can definitely afford it. In fact, they're cheap. (laughs) Let's see here. Maximum political donation election. $2,300 per election. The current maximum limits for these offices are 2300 per election, it says. The current maximum, maximum for- candidate donation increased. This is a, in, in maximum donation, blah, blah, blah. Dude, I'm seeing all kinds of people donating multiple times. Well, uh, this needs to be looked into. Wow. And here's an area where it's 1,100 annual maximum donations allowed per individual. Well, maybe, we should, it's a, maybe it's a family of people, and they, they're donating for their child, themselves, no, a husband, wife. No, you have to do it by name. I mean, you have to do it by name. So it's this exact same name every single time, over and over again. Here, uh, well, husband and wife combo, I understand. But here, uh, Charles N. Alexander, he's donated 4,600 on the 14th of March. 2300 on the 9th of March. Oh, these are state elections. Okay, here it goes. 15 states, including Wyoming, have limits ranging from 1,000 to 5,000. 10 ah. states allow a maximum donation of 5,000 to 10,000, while four states have contribution maximums topping 10,000. Okay. And this is all primaries, right? So these donations are going into various state elections. Gotcha. Okay. So is so uh, different is, for the is, national. is Maryland one of those states or Virginia? It doesn't list them on this uh, particular okay. uh, story. All right, okay. Well, there you go. Mystery solved. Yeah, so you could have given a lot more. Shit. You know he would have been the front runner if only I'd given him a little bit more. Yeah, well, it's too bad. <laughs> so uh yeah, no, I there's a, it'd be interesting to see who's backing these various people, but the big corporations will be back in McCain, you can count on that. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm with you, man. I'm riding on the on the on the Hillary tip. I still think that uh, that at the end of the day, the Democratic Party is going to say, "Holy shit, man! You know, we got to have someone who can actually, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe on a far outside chance with some luck and a little bit of tailwind, you know, keep our keep our spot in the White House or get our spot in the White House." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still of the opinion that Obama's not electable. Not well. He's electable. Uh, I don't I think he can win. He just can't win yet. 
Well, I just don't see him ch- anything changing. I mean, I think this, this, unless he has something to say one of these days, except change, 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 you know. And I'm, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless. Change what? Did Larry Lessig uh, go into that Congress uh, congressional thing that he was after? You know, I saw he just did a piece for the New York Times on uh, on orphan copyright stuff, and uh, I don't know. I haven't been a hold had gotten a hold of him because he was doing something in Europe. I don't know. I'm going to have to track him down because I usually try to have lunch or something with him once in a while. Yeah, because that kind of, it was kind of sizzling for a while, and then and then when he wanted to do like campaign finance reform or something like that, yeah, or I know, sp- special weird. interest reform. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But I everyone- always say, you know, people don't get campaign finance reform and why it's never going to go anywhere because they don't know where the money. I mean, if you just analyze campaign finance reform, who gets the money in the at the end of the day? The media, media, does. yeah, it's and a so spend on media- commercials. It's so the media, if campaign finance reform ever came to pass, the only people that would really be screwed by it would be the media, the people taking all that money and, and running these ads. And so there, if it ever got close to turning around, there would be all kinds of 60-minute reports and, and, and scandalous things about how, it's, how campaign finance reform is, is you know, unconstitutional and it's against free speech and it's a horrible thing and it's going to ruin the country and every place else they've done it has you know, resulted in fashion and it's never going to happen. What always amazing me, though, amazes me is for the amount of money that is raised and is spent. And so let's say maybe 50% of the money is spent on media. I'm just picking a random number because, you know, there's a lot of expensive consultants and all kinds of people who uh, ride along uh, on these uh, on these campaigns. Right. But so let's say it's uh, 50, 50 to 100 million combined, right, between uh, Barack and, uh, and Clinton. Man, they're making some badass TV commercials for that kind of money. That's crap. <laughs> the absolute freaking crap they're making. Who is there? Someone is stealing from them big time. They're shit. I mean, that's like Final Cut. It's like Rev Three is making these commercials. It's it's lame. Not to say their programming is lame. I'm just you get my point. I mean, for that kind of money, you could you could have Spielberg making commercials. I don't get it. I, I know what you're saying because these things are terrible, and they're they're getting. The problem is, I think they're over consulted, and they're getting too conservative. The, the commercials are uninteresting. You know, when MoveOn.org was doing, you know, this commercial, um, they I don't know if they're doing it anymore because I haven't visited their site recently. But they a number of years ago they had, you know, do-it-yourself commercials uh, that were done by the public using you know final cut pro but much of the public doing these are actually hollywood directors and they on their website you could watch all these crazy commercials that were really nasty and some of them were actually quite funny and uh that you know if they would re- if that was implemented and actually went into major play so people could actually see some really poignant uh observational commercials rather than these stupid commercials that they run i think it would be probably a benefit to these people but they're they're too conservative nobody wants to do anything that's you know the obama won't say anything what he really means about anything he just talks in generalities hillary's you know if she ever does open her mouth she makes sticks her foot in it like this kennedy thing i mean it's just it's two people are dull I have a different theory about those commercials, though. I I, I believe that uh, they're probably actually highly effective and they probably are tested to death because they look very much like washing powder commercials. And I think, you know, my theory is that in general, um, the forget, you know, California and New York, everything in between, 
you know, people elect their presidents the same way they do choose what, which which uh, washing powder they're going to use. You know, and th- those are bad commercials. You know, often the yeah, here we call detergent here in the U.S. Detergent. Right? I'm sorry. You know what I'm talking about, though. I mean, like, those are yeah, horrible soap. commercials. Soap commercials. Yeah. So maybe they're just doing. Maybe that's what what the what really works. <laughs> Lame ass shit. <laughs> Everything else is art. So I ran into something interesting yesterday. I got a call from, I get called, people say, oh, I don't know, pollsters have never called. I get called by pollsters all the time. And I, you know, I do what I, I'm obliged to do as a normal person, which is to give them bad information. Of course. But uh, this case I didn't because it was a pretty straightforward poll. But I've never had this. It was from Rasmussen. And it seemed to have to do with, uh, it was, a, and you have to, you can deconstruct the poll afterwards and figure out what they were trying to get at. And, you know, they're trying to always direct it a little bit, even though this didn't have any trick questions by any means. Uh, and this, this seemed to be a poll about uh, where you get your do you get your news from newspapers or the Internet and how does it affect your judgment based on your age mm-hmm. insofar as who you'd vote for for president. That's what I'm kind of thinking it was really about. But the thing that was unique about it was it was the entire thing was automated. I never had a... Uh, there's no voice. There's no person. There's nobody calling me. And it's just could, a menu. It's just a multiple choice menu. Yeah, it was like a voice came on a woman's voice saying, "If you were to vote for president today, would you vote for Obama, Hillary, or McCain?" Press one for Obama. For Obama. Press one <laughs> for Hillary. Press two. And that's for a, Ob- <laughs> that's expensive too. Well, yeah, it has to be on you know on some obviously some big computers doing yeah. the whole thing yeah. because it also had forks. Oh, you could go you off could, into a you, different different uh, survey. Yeah, you could tell there was a fork every once in a while that would take you in a different direction because of your one of your previous answers. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, the whole thing was automated. And I'm thinking, holy crap! They're making these. They've institutionalized these polls now, where the where it's not even anybody doing them. They're just they just you know program a computer and then they push the button and it starts calling everybody. Yep. So yeah. it's becoming poll mania in this country. You know, when MTV, um, when I was there in the uh, late, 80s, late 80s, early 90s, they did a lot of research. And so, you know, MTV played music videos, but the research they did was traditional radio call-out research. So they'd literally call a thousand people a day on the phone and say, do you recognize this song? <laughs> and they played the song over the phone. And that's how they programmed MTV. They had no way of, uh, of or no money, really, to... Uh, to do research on music videos. They just did audio. Huh. That's interesting. So, uh, well, I'm not a big fan of necessarily overdoing the, you know, there's a a moment where the public doesn't know the answer. I mean, focus groups and uh, I think they're okay to do uh, post-mortem analysis, but to do stuff that's active, I don't think it's, they're that accurate. I think they, you know, this is what uh, you hear the car companies, American car companies have fallen prey to focus groups before they can make a decision. And many times it's a design decision and you can't have the public making design decisions in advance of a car being released because the fact of the matter is that in some ways the better cars that actually influence other designs are art and there should be a professional designer who makes a decision not the public because the public will say i don't know it looks like i don't like the looks of it but that's because the look a year or two from now might be the hottest thing going and if you'd ask the same question to the same person two years later that says the best looking thing ever you know it's like a fashion thing i mean you can't poll the public 
public. If you're a fashion designer doing dresses for the for the fall season, you know, six months in advance of the season, they don't know about the color swatches and all the other kind of weird infrastructure stuff that takes place. Oh, it's all, but that's all the fashion magazines. The, the people who determine that are uh, are the editor of Vogue and uh, Mary Claire magazine, and well, they make a judgment at the end, but they mm. do these presentations that are kind of, you know, here it is. Here's my collection. What do you think? And no, then the, I, yeah, I, and then I, you can be destroyed after the fact, but at least it's not overanalyzed before they roll it out, and then they end up rolling out some milk toast crap that is like uninteresting and probably five years behind the times, which is what happens when you do too much polling and you rely on the public to make your decisions. In the fashion industry, it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. The people who are calling the shots are the uh, are the leading magazines and actually the manufacturers. The manufacturers. What I no, I'm understanding that. What yeah. I'm just telling you is that you could try to implement a public first policy if you were like a big design house and yeah. do focus groups and then determine what should be in the collection. You could do that, and it would be a it would be a huge disaster. I, Kmart probably already does that then. Well, I suppose. I mean, it's possible. They probably do not. You mention it. Um, Walmart too. I'm sure. But maybe I don't know. It's hard to say. Those are, those places are operated kind of like warehouses, and somebody else's responsibility to move the goods. Well, those, but those so, guys have it easy. I mean, they, they just look at the designs that you know. They just look at what's coming out and they just copy it. I mean, you know, yeah. Well, that's the business that yeah, it is. Uh, that is their business. The, so yeah, I understand what the you're point, saying. About I, the, the it's beside the point of fashion issue. What I'm just saying is that there's this dependency on uh, on the public to 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 you know in in advance of things that are changing. I don't think the public is good at dealing with or predicting change and direction. Yeah, Steve Steve Jobs. I think one of his quotes that I subscribe to a quote a day service or something like that. Quote well, whatever it is. Um, he said, you know, if, if we actually made what the public asked for, you know, we'd be bankrupt. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to that. Well, it's like this, the Simpsons episode where Homer was given the, uh, um, design, he was the head designer of the car company, you know, and so he decided, <laughs> and they said, do whatever you want. I, we don't even want to see it until it's finished. <laughs> you know, yeah. what does he wind up with? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the episode. <laughs> it's a good episode. He winds up with this huge boat of a car <laughs> that's got like everything in it except the barber's chair. It was just this disaster. <laughs> all the features, all the features you know. you'd want and then some. Yeah. Awesome. So anyway, they, so I think the, in politics they've really fallen in, fallen prey to this sort of thinking, uh, which is you know don't do anything that might offend the public, and, and so you have these. And I've no, this started years and years ago. Obviously, it's nothing new, but I always remember in the. the, the most memorable example to me was, I think it was when Mondale, who seemed like the dullest guy in history, now he was uh, he, the, he was vice president, wasn't he? Yeah, then he ran for president and lost against who? Uh, McGovern? Oh no, no, McGovern. No, yeah. no, no. I'm sorry, I'm McGovern wrong. was never president. No, no. So uh, yeah, I, was, I always like to refer, refer to President Hubert Humphrey as well. <laughs> Wait a minute, um, Mondale, and he, he ran with that woman Ferraro, wasn't it? Oh, Geraldine Ma Ferraro. Yeah, I think so. I think it was Mondale Ferrar. Was that the thing? This, you can't. It's like remember Mondale for. It's like you can't remember. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, 
yeah, Mondale Ferraro, uh, is that you can't remember these matchups. And I was thinking, who won last year's Super Bowl? I mean, it was the Giants won the Super Bowl, but who did they beat? <laughs> and I was thinking about it, and I and I Patriots and I couldn't. Right, it's but a, I couldn't. It's always the, if you say the Denver Broncos, you're pretty much okay too. <laughs> well, yeah, twenty years ago, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you can't. Uh, I know you follow soccer more. No, than I, you, I follow football. Uh, I follow yeah. everything I can. The important games. I don't give a shit about any sport, but the important stuff. You know, the big matches. I'll follow that. Do you want to watch some some something? Watch the basketball uh, finals this year. See, I, I, I'll watch it. I'll watch the finals, but I, I just I don't like it. Bores me. That that's a game that the, bores uh, me. The Lakers and the Celtics are going to be fantastic. It's a throwback. But anyway, so Mondale Ferraro, they go out and they give all these talks, and then. Uh, it's dull, just dull. It's unbelievable, Walter Mondale. So he comes on after he loses. He comes on the Johnny Carson show or wherever it was, <clears throat> and the guy's a laugh riot. I thought he had tons of personality. He had one-liners. He was quick on the draw. He was, you know, sharp as a whip and or his attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you know he was just like I'm. I'm watching this guy going. Holy crap! I would have. Inv- I would have voted for this guy. Yeah, but so but this time around, everyone has already been on the talk shows, and so that you know we've seen their personality. Huckabee killed on uh, on Jay Leno. No, Huckabee's the funniest of the group. Yeah, the guy could be doing stand up. Yeah, he killed, but you know, still he's out. Yeah, no, but these other guys, you know, what we're still seeing with with uh, Hillary and with uh, Obama and to a lesser extent McCain, we're still seeing a phony facade of a person that yeah. if this election was over and they came back on the same show, they would not be acting that way. They would be different. If, if like either Mondale one of them just a totally you, different person. You know but, what it is? It's the difference between. You know, we're just having a conversation right here. We're just talking back and forth. People can tell the difference between between that and a stump speech or, you know, whatever it is they're doing or, you know, being on Meet the Press and the way they just, you know, let the guard down for once. Be fucking human. They're like robots. They're like both well, like their Manchurian course, candidates. The, you know, the counter argument to that, if you're one of the consultants is, well, that's what Hillary did in Sioux Falls or Sioux City, wherever she was, when she brought the assassination up. No, it's also what she did when she, you know, when everyone thought she was going to cry. And that really turned her campaign around at that point. Yeah, well, she's one for two. <laughs> you know, if she just said, hey, look, uh, Americans, uh, dudes, do debt. Like, uh, look, I know this gas thing is out of control. You know, I'm going to go fix that. You know, I'm going to take care of some shit for you and uh, vote for me. It would work. I think people are ready for that. They're tired of all the screaming, and uh, that's what the media has become. It's just screaming, well, screaming, what, screaming, loud well, voices. That's kind of how Jesse Ventura became the governor of Minnesota with that kind of approach. And how and how did that work out for him? He got bored with the job. <laughs> it does seem like a pretty crappy job, doesn't it? That's why <laughs> well, you know he got it. He got the job, and he wasn't the worst governor they've ever had, I suppose. I, but, I'll, I'll say at the end of the day, I mean, my hats off to every, all of these people who are doing this shit. I mean, that it's worse than show business, you know. Go, it, it, it's go it's not show that. business. Yeah, for ugly people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but the the you know the, you go through a lot of shit if you if you want to and I don't know I think everyone's pretty jaded. We really need to sex it up. We need to bring in you know some like uh, whoever does uh, Boston Legal. You know they got to start doing the coverage of this stuff. That guy is that a that's yeah, not, is that's, that Bochco? What's his name? Is that Bochco? Yeah. That's not Bochco, is it? No, no, Bochco. Bochco. No, no. 
No, Bochco's Bochco dead. is Stephen Bochco. Oh, somebody's dead. He's one not of those dead. Guys. No, Aaron Spelling's dead. No, I was, there's some other one. Whatever the case is, no, this is what's his name. The guy who did uh, Boston Legal is the guy who used to do uh, Ali McBeal. Yeah, you know that guy, right? And he's good. He's yeah. got a good sense of humor. Hell yeah. There was this great episode. One of, the guys, one of our guys from Tech TV worked for him for a while, and then he went on to uh, Law and & Order. And um, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. I think he just married some actress, so I guess he's screwed now. Um, what is that guy's name? This has become the Google show. <laughs> and here we are on Google, Googling so you don't have to. That's right. You can sit in your car. It's a new service from Google. Click here to uh, be attached to an audio buddy. Uh, David E. Kelly. There you go. Yeah, David E. Kelly. Well, and then my friend is uh, Luke Ryder, who now shows up, I believe, as Lucas. But yeah, and didn't, but didn't he didn't he marry with Ally McBeal? Oh, no, she's Who, living with Harrison uh, Ford. No, I think no, no. Kelly might have married her. I don't know. Look no, no, it up no, on no, no, no. No, he's with um, Harrison. She's with Harrison Ford. Oh, that's right. Right. Harrison Ford. Lucky bastard. Uh, she's a little thin. No, she was. I, 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 I don't, just, just her build. I don't, I don't think she was anorexic. Thin, that was, you know, I know. When you're that thin on television, because television adds, well, in my case, it adds 100 pounds. But in <laughs> most cases, it adds a little weight to you because of the horizontal scan lines. Yeah. And if you look that thin on television, um, you must be really thin. Yeah. Well, it's fashion. Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't care. What difference does it make? But... Um, so yeah, Kelly. Yeah, he would be better than. But you know, he's like I said, he's obviously would be. He probably subscribe. He's probably on the Obama campaign. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he's a, he's obviously, if you watch his shows, you know, he's like a liberal Democrat. There's with some, you know, conservative uh, uh, leanings on on specific issues, or he wouldn't have these highly entertaining conservative characters on the show and so he's you know probably a libertarian that's thinking obama would be good yeah that's my guess there was a funny episode that aired here last night where um nantucket wants an atomic bomb and uh and so they asked the firm to go sue so because they could uh the laws you know they won't give them uh rights to buy plutonium or whatever else they need Oh, I never saw that one. I've actually stopped watching the show. I watched it religiously for his first two or three episodes, or two or three seasons. Mm. And then I found it becoming, you know, they lost some of their better characters, and, and they start, they'd move their emphasis around a little bit, and the, and the dynamics changed just enough to, that it's like, you know, uh, Danny is too much of a, you know, he's cornier than he ever was. They, they did get him off the mad cow thing and moved him over to various other ailments, which was a plus. And, um, now you should pick it up again because it's gotten good with John Larroquette. And, yeah, uh, see, I find Larroquette not to be... He's... You know, I, I've just found Larroquette to be a slightly annoying... I, I think he's as a comic actor, he's kind of funny, but he's in this role, I find it annoying... I find him to be annoying, and I can't say specifically why. Man, I hope these shows <clears throat> stay around. They're so expensive to make. These shows like two, three million bucks an episode. I yeah, but they stay, they make their money on the DVDs, and the, the problem is can the DVD business stay around and keep yeah, them going? probably not. Well, syndication is really where all the money comes from. The big money is syndication. Right, that's why they have to do the show for five years. Yeah. 
people always say, well, five years, what's five years is five years means the show is shown one day. Every every, every day of the week. Yeah. Every day of the week for one year. That's yeah. the same as five years of, yeah. of, you know, once a week. And then the other so thing, always, the other thing I'm watching is. A lot of guys quit after five years. They just quit the show. Yeah, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld. But that, he did more than five years, didn't he? Well, he, he did, did like nine, nine years, but nine uh, years? I think uh, James uh, Kahn and, on that Vegas show, which is actually... That's a pretty good show. It, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, it's a good show. I like it. It's got uh, nice, you know, characters. Girls. It's, it's comedic. Girls. Yeah. But he quit the show after his five seasons and just left, as far as I can tell, his five seasons. Mm. Dirty Sexy Money with Donald Sutherland? You know, I can't watch that show. Really? It's just, to me, it's just unwatchable. It's a uh, it's exaggeration that has, you know just a bunch of jokes, it's a bunch of gags, and uh, it doesn't do anything for me. Mm, I like Donald Sutherland. I like him no matter what he does. And uh, I and, and to be honest about, it, I do too. But in this role, I don't like him. I think he's too creepy. Um, and of course, I, as a pilot, I actually want to know what happened to the to uh, to Dutch. I want to know what went, what went wrong with this flight. In his Cessna 172 that they keep showing at the beginning of the show. CIA. Yeah, of course. Well, all right, John. You got anything else? Uh, well, let's see. Well, we were. Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm trying. You know, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the wine world. Besides the. Of- uh, besides the. The, the new uh, sensational straw. Oh, that's right. We got we haven't gotten those straws yet. They came, well, so it came out uh, Thursday. I haven't seen it yet in the stores. I did go and look for it for the uh, for the wine in the carton, and, yeah. uh, which came with the straw. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So, Keep my eyes out. Open. Well, once we get the straws in our hands, that we can use them with other uh, liquids. <laughs> yes. Woo! Once we get our hands on a couple of those straws, sensory straws. That's what they're called. They're using a lot of dye in wine nowadays. Really? Yeah, and there's this one particular one called Mega Purple. You can look it up. <laughs> but Mega Purple is used uh, all over the world now, and it's kind of a pro- proprietary uh, formulation. They claim it's made from boiled-down wine or something like that, but nobody will tell how exactly. It's some big chemical company or an additive company or something like that. And so you use this Mega Purple and to... Because, you know, ever since Robert Parker became this, the American who became the number one wine reviewer in the world and with a huge uh, influence, one of the things is that they have this thing called Parkerized wines, which are wines that have to do with, you know, that appeal to his specific taste, which are for big, dark, black, inky wines. And um, so now they're just adding this crap to all these wines, which apparently also affects the flavor in a kind of a positive way during a blind tasting. Um, but are they do, they're doing that in the barrel, not after it's in the bottle, right? Well, no, you wouldn't do it after it's in the bottle. It's, it would be impractical. But it's it's somewhere in the process, maybe during the... I don't know where, where it's used in the process. I, it's probably just before it's put in the barrel. That would be my guess. I don't know. And this is happening with, can, with premium wines? With, like, the stuff uh, well, you and I Well, that's what the controversy is. They say it's with under $20 wines to make them better. I'd call but that premium. That's not, yeah, you would. <laughs> 20 the, bucks, uh, man, to a screw top? <laughs> But generally speaking, it's believed that the under twenty dollars wines have it, and of course the cheaper wines would too. And the uh, 
but you don't know that the over 20 buck guys aren't using it in a bad year or whatever because there's been an awful lot of wines over the last five years or, or longer that are just way too dark for their for their um they're, they're standing in society, as it were. Hmm. Uh, there's are not wines that should be dark. There's just not. They're not. But that's and, determined by the color of the grape, no? Yeah, well, it's, it, it, the, the colors are extracted from the skins in the per- fermentation process. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, you know, alcohol, for one thing, is a solvent, and it helps extract some of these colors. But what's the point if you can just dump this stuff in? And um, hmm. anyway, it's a big scandal. Well, he yeah. knows what to do about it. I run into these wines every once in a while. I'm, I'm thinking if I could come up with a test, but unfortunately, the product, if it's made from grape skins to begin with, there's nothing to test for. Yeah, so there's no extra chemical or additive that you can... Uh, so they're just basically taking uh, dark grape juice and adding... You know, they're doing what Patricia's doing. They're just adding grape juice. <laughs> Maybe she should get into business. I'm telling you, she's got an idea there. She really does. Wait, wait until I lay those cartons on her, man. She's going to love that. I'm telling you. She's going to well, love it. And she's going to love the sensory straw. Well, you know, it could be she could uh, do some ads for him. <laughs> yeah, right. You could probably move a lot of product in Holland. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a market for you. <laughs> well, you know, it's market. You know, a lot of the. Uh, I've been reading about the. Uh, talking about the. You know, uh, chemicals, the pharmaceuticals now, all these patents are running out and all these drugs and they're trying to figure out how they're going to make money. Have you been following that? Yeah. Uh, you know, how the, you're not, it's not, they're trying to figure out how, not how they make money, they're trying to figure out how to continue to gouge the public. Yeah, that's it. That was, that's what I Get your, <laughs> your wordage right. Exactly, how to gouge the public. Well, the same thing with, um, with uh, copyrights, that whole discussion is, is cranking up in the UK again, where the copyrights are 50 years still. What is it in the States? 100 and, 190 years now? What does Disney push it, it up it's to? It's actually, if you, uh, it's, it's 500 years after you die. 500 years? No, you're kidding me. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's like 95 years, isn't it? Something like that? No, it's like 100 or 150. There's some ridiculous thing. They, they it's think it's, I think it's like 75 years after you die, but you could die yeah. when you're 75. So the thing of being copyright for 150 years, I think, is about what it runs. And, and, the, and, the, <laughs> and the irony of this, is uh, you know all of this copyright stuff in the states that was pushed forward by Sonny Bono, uh, Cher's ex-husband, and he was uh, mayor of uh, Palm Springs. Well, he was a congressman for Con- a while. He was also a congressman, and the irony, of course, is he hit a tree while skiing and died. You know, <laughs> he was he was out there d- getting copyrights uh, lengthened. To pass no, to, there is a joke there. I mean, that's not it. But that's it has, not it. it but there's a joke pulled there. from the tree, which was, was going to be used to make paper. You know, I don't know. But anyway, you know, he so, died from a skiing accident. Yeah. So Cliff Richard is bitching about it again because you know he's actually old enough that his first big hits are now going into public domain, and he's and he's he's unhappy about it. He's saying he, you know he makes no money, and it's interesting. Oh, oh, he makes no money, huh? Well, not well off of the royalties now. For the well, first, what's the, what difference does it make if it goes into public domain if you're not making any money off of it anyway? Well, I mean, not any money, not any significant money, but you know, I'm sure it's some. Well, I'm a big fan of the public domain because it's one way, for example, and if you're taking art history, you know, you have to, you can't even do an art history book nowadays and use any of the Picasso images because they're all copyrighted. And so really? why are you supposed to teach, I, I teach art history allowed. without showing Picasso? I thought that wasn't allowed. Sorry? I thought that wasn't allowed. I thought that, oh, wait a minute, Picasso, of course, isn't a grandmaster. Oh, wow. Really? You can't do that anymore? 
But the Grand Masters are all way past the 150 yeah. year point. I mean, no, you can't. Well, I mean, you. I mean, people do it, but the point is, is that it's actually sketchy to be like if I I couldn't do a book on Picasso. That's for sure, without getting permission from the estate, so, and I'd have to get permission for each and in every individual image. Uh, in an art history book, you could probably get away with a few using a few images as fair use, and they're not going to do too much about it. But if you did a whole chapter on him, and you were just pounding these Picasso images on, especially if they were, you know, good sized, you could get in trouble. And it's ridiculous. I mean, Picasso's been dead for God knows what difference does it make to him? Yeah, even I'll take it even further. I have a book called The History of Modern Art, and I'm sure you can get it somewhere uh, online. And it's a book that shows, um, I was turned onto it by an art dealer, um, a book that shows Picasso's paintings, and then it shows pictures, photographs of his workshop, and you'll see African uh, artifacts like uh, vases and uh, statues, and you'll see that he literally copied the African art, and you know, and we, yeah, he he abstracted it into his Picasso style, but he literally copied the designs of African art, and those were his paintings, and you can see them one for one next to each other. You see his workshop, you see the statue, you see the picture of the crazy looking lady with a long neck, you know. So it's, yeah. so there's all. I mean, that's. And and by the way, I'm totally okay with that. That's how art is supposed to work, right? You build on other stuff, and you copy, and you steal, and you emulate, and you aspire. Yeah, it's how perspective became, you know, a big deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's fashionable. And artists, you know, see what other artists do, and they study it, and then they do it, try to do it yeah. better. But so now, you can't, now you can't even reproduce pictures of Picasso. That's pretty amazing. Well, exactly. In fact, all the artists from about from 1924 on, because that's where I think the number is right now for most uh, copyright stuff. Even though there's this, you know, you have to be dead for 75 years thing, but the uh, for the most part. Most of the art that you can copy, put on, you know, uh, use for calendars and just grab and use or use for decoration has to be pre-1924, minimally, which means that everything is impressionism. So the only kind of art that anybody knows in the United States, because we don't get confronted with too much of the other stuff, because it was just so sketchy and how we can reproduce it without, you know, going through permissions places. And there's a couple, luckily, there's at least a, at least that's consolidated into one or two groups. But the fact is it's not cheap they're not going to give you the license for nothing and so it's like well should i do that it's going to cost me an extra 50 bucks if i do it this way or if i do this way it's free i'll go with the free thing and say 50 bucks and you end up you know just promoting continually to continuing to promote van gogh and monet so, you know we're the safest guys you can promote and there's, so uh there's a story there's a story over here that hit my radar a couple of times mainly because the woman in the painting uh is british and it's, uh, this was a, f a fascinating story uh, a couple of weeks ago. Lucian Freud is, um, is a painter. And uh, his, this most recent painting, he's 85 years old, sold for $33 million. The guy's still alive. It's basically a really, uh, it's not even Rubenesque. It's like a, a fat lady, naked, lying on a couch. $33.6 million dollars. And the guy's alive. Who is this? Who is the artist? Lucian Freud. Huh. Sounds like a Botano style. So, um, well, that's pretty good money if you can get it. But, you know, but isn't that amazing? Here's a guy who's actually alive. Yeah. Well, it's good for him. At 85, I don't know what he's going to do with the money, but whatever. But, but what is that about, though? Why all of a sudden does a painting like that, you know, go into the stratosphere in, you know, which is close to 
Picasso prices. Why does that Maybe happen? there's... I, uh, that's baffling to me. I mean, it doesn't sound right. That's an awful lot of money to spend for a uh, contemporary piece of art. Well, that's why it was in the uh, news, obviously. Yeah, no, send me a link. You, you just did. I, I just Skyped you one, yeah. Well, I'll just uh, check that out and see what's what. It's, it's just uh, f- f- gobsmacked is what I am. Gobsmacked. But, but that's aspirational, man. Oh, if, that, that, oh, that picture is terrible. I wouldn't, you couldn't put that in the wall. <laughs> it would be, you'd be so grossed out by it. <laughs> That's what She's I'm trying to figure out. One 30. giant breast. <laughs> and this it's a British. Guy, it's a British be. woman. It's a British woman, and uh, she's been you know done a couple interviews because you know obviously this painting sells for thirty three million. That's pretty interesting that it's of her. Thirty three million. The name of the the name of this piece is Benefit Supervisor Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think she was a benefit supervisor. <laughs> it's like. Uh, people have to check this. I'm going to have to blog it. And people are going to just have to go look it up. Oh, wait. Just look up. Here's my opportunity to say, of course, you will uh, find a link in our extended show notes, which are maintained by the expert uh, hand of Bubba Martin. Yeah, Bubba will, will put a link in there to this thing. Yeah. And that's what shows up on the, uh, both Adam's site and the, the Cage Match, the Vorak yeah. site. But is, isn't that extraordinary that... That that's happening. I mean that that that's inspirational. That means any kid who actually you know hears about this story. Of course, it's highly underreported. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, I, I could be a lot of things. I could actually be a painter who makes good money on painting fat chicks. That's well, you know, the thing is, is that the uh, the uh, Lucian Freud is a good example of an artist who you don't get to see his stuff much because it's all covered by copyrights. And so you just, you know, it won't get in a lot of books. It won't get in too many classes. I mean, you have to go, if you're teaching art history, you have to go sneak a camera in or buy some slides from the museum. Uh, it's just the whole thing is ridiculous. But, you know, I understand it, it's important in the early going of a work when it becomes popular. But I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. I'm on Larry Lessig's side. We're going to get Larry Lessig on Cranky Geeks and we're going to talk about this issue. Uh, about the art issue? No, about the, about the orphan copyright works and about copyright in general. Because I don't think people really understand what a, how screwed up it got. And, of course, they blame the Internet for everything. But Yeah. It's not. It's, 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 uh, it's Disney. It's Disney. It's Disney. It's Disney greed. It's that freaking mouse. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But but I'm sure other people would have would have wanted to go this route. It's not just Disney. You know, everyone sees that, you know, okay, hey, wait a minute. Like Cliff Richard, this is, you know, it's freaking Cliff Richard and the guy's up in arms. You know, I can understand where he's coming from, but at a certain point, you know, when are you going to do something that's good for the rest of the world? Good for society. You know, I think it's important. Good for culture. Did I lose you? No, I was, I'm reading this piece. It says in the 1980s, this guy's paintings were frequently f- sold. They couldn't even sell them at auction. Oh, of course not. I just don't understand so, what's the trigger. What happened? What happened that this guy all of a sudden? You know, there was a I, big big story in Holland the other day. Um, the, 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 wait, let's stop for a second because people they're going to have to definitely check this out because it's like what is even remotely appealing about this picture? It's not like a modern piece. It's a uh, it's it's just a, it's, <laughs> it's a very I fat lady. <laughs> it's horrible. It's a big fat lady, naked. Can I just say one laying- thing? Can I just say, John? Please, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, 
So there yeah, are a lot still of fat besides beside uh, the point. But that's not. But fat does not equal horrible. She, you know, look at yourself, man. But a lot of people. Hey, I'm not as fat as she is. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen you <laughs> naked on the couch. Well, you'll get and lucky next you, time. And you never will, by I'll, the way. I'll give you some of that grape that. juice uh, uh, wine and uh, sucking through a straw, and I'll have you out of your clothes it's in an, no time. It's a, if you were this woman, I, I mean, it's not an attractive picture. Let's put it that way. It's well, not flattering. No, just because you're not for. into it, but a lot of people are into this. <laughs> now, seriously, a lot of clearly a lot of people with a lot of money are into this. Ah, oh, brother. Okay, I'm, I'm just say, being fair. So. Come on, just being fair. I mean, I'm not. I'm not grossed out by her. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm no. not grossed out by it. it's a painting for God's sake. But it's, the point is, it's just like thirty-three point six million. I don't think so. But uh, what do I know? Obviously, I don't know. Patricia don't know. might know. Hun, uh, come over here for what? This painting you saw? This painting of the the fat the fat lady? This one here. You saw, you saw yeah, that, right? Dutch paper. Not Dutch paper. No, no, no. I saw, yeah, I've seen it. But the English paper? The, yeah, you don't know the story. Okay. Well, to ask her what she thinks of it. What do you think of it? How much would you pay for that painting? You know, I've seen it in the paper. Come over here. Come over to the microphone. I've seen it in the paper. I know. How, how, how much would you pay for it? Come talk in the microphone. How much would you pay for that painting? Um, maybe 5000 5,000. 5,000 pounds. Oh. But I know they paid a lot of money. For $33 that. million. Dollars. I know, I know. Yeah. Do you know why? It was just a fat lady. Just, <laughs> she says, just a fat lady. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows why. $5,000? Eh, it seems a little yeah, high. Anyway, okay. We won't go into it. I'm going to get a bunch of nasty notes from everyone who's fat. put on five pounds. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There could be people who actually adore that. But still. I, yeah, whatever. So, um, I don't know. I guess we can leave the end of the show on this baffling note. <laughs> it's like, just, the world has gone crazy. We're going to hell in a handbasket, I tell you. So, I'll have to send a link to Bubba, and then the people can talk about it amongst themselves. <laughs> They'll have to do something. Huh. Anyway, so, okay. So, I totally felt this show had absolutely no direction. No, it was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> this was the the most no agenda we've ever had. It just went wandered, <laughs> but but it got it had its moments. It had its highs and lows. But it, you're right. We were completely. It wasn't. There's no theme. So it's no, gonna be tough no to theme. title this one. Uh, well, let's do the title now. Well, let's see. Uh, this is what we do the after the show. Normally, the fat lady. I mean, <laughs> not until something with fat lady sings. That would be right. The. Um, I don't know. Um, how, why don't we just call it, the, name it after this painting, which was the sleeping, uh, what was it, benefit it supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hold on, let me just see. Is that what it's called? Benefit uh, supervisor sleeping. Yeah, okay, that's it. Benefit supervisor sleeping. That is the now the title of the show. Excellent. All right, everybody. Uh, coming to you from the Curry Manor in Guilford in the United Kingdom, my name's Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in a blustery and slightly wet Northern California. And we'll talk to you again next week right here on No Agenda.